Hi, I'm Mariah Orr. I'm a writer, photographer, and filmmaker, and I'm a millennial. You're listening to the Millennial Search for Meaning, a conversation about choices. Before recording this episode, I asked a lot of people what came to mind when they heard the word millennial. If you're a millennial, you probably hate this word, and there are definitely a lot of negative connotations to make you feel that way. You hear that we're entitled and pampered, that we're technology addicted, that we're ill-equipped for real life, and that we're lazy. Here's an audio clip from a popular YouTube video from the Vlogbrothers titled, The Word Millennial Makes Me Cringe. So basically, one group of people created a term for another group of people and then used that term to uh, talk about how scary they were and belittle them and make fun of them. Yeah, that's going to make some people cringe. Sure enough, most gut reactions to the word millennial are along the lines of, oh, so you mean the spoiled middle-class white kids who own a lot of Apple products, right? But something about this response just seems so wrong. For starters, we're not all white and we're not all middle-class. And even though more of us now have college educations, student debt, and big dreams, we're not all entitled and we're not all lazy. I'm not here to defend millennials, and that's not what this podcast is about. I know that we're nothing special. But I am curious about what's happening inside of me and happening inside of other people in their 20s who are facing traditional paths and wondering instead, how can I make this better? How can I find more? So the original idea for this podcast was to just have it be an interview series, kind of exploring the different choices that millennials are facing and showing the idealism with which we actually make those choices. But in the process, I realized that part of the reason I actually wanted to explore this was because I personally am looking for more, and I don't know that I've found that yet. So at the recommendation of many friends and other people that I asked about it, I am going to be including pieces of my own story. I hope you'll bear with me on the production quality for most of this because I do have high standards, but I don't necessarily have the ability yet to make it as perfect as I want it to be. So I guess I'll start from the beginning, the beginning of it, my quarter life crisis. So when I graduated from the University of Montana in 2013, I moved to Portland, Oregon. Though I had originally wanted to find a job at a coffee shop and work on a book of poetry, this was around the time of that famous and still ongoing mass migration to Portland. After applying for jobs in the service industry for a few months, I found that I was competing with tons of other 20-somethings and recent grads, and I found I was almost more qualified for something more professional. That's how I ended up working as a telemarketer during the spring of 2014. I had accepted the sales job with a digital marketing company because I wanted to become a copywriter, and they were looking for an entry-level employee who could grow into a copywriting role eventually. I thought, that's what everyone does, right? They work their way up the ladder and they find that unicorn, the mythological thing that is a job that you love that pays well, right? I was eager, and by that point, in dire need of rent money. So I'm sitting in my cubicle during the second week of work, having called a bunch of numbers on a list of real estate agents trying to sell them online advertising. I haven't had any good conversations with potential buyers. I don't believe in what I'm selling. I hate the fact that I'm even selling something. And I've already been yelled at and hung up on by the good people of the Midwest at least a dozen times. One man says to me, give up, Mariah, just give up. 
Another guy asks what a nice young lady like myself is doing at such an awful job and gives me the name of an organization designed to help people figure out what they want to do with their lives. And I remember being a little mad about this. I'm really doing the best I can do, I thought. It's not that I don't have dreams. It's just that I think that this is the way to reach them. And sure enough, shortly after that, I made a sale and got a nice commission check. My friend, another recent Portland transplant, got a job there too. I was distracted, falling in love with a new city, and I made more friends at the company, which was growing quickly and was mostly staffed by people in their early 20s. I got promoted to client services, and eventually I did get that writing position. By the spring of 2015, I had reached a point of relative stability. I was living with my then-boyfriend Adam in a studio apartment, and even though our lives were cluttered, we were in love and having fun just exploring the city. But still, something was missing. And one day, it hit me. I don't want to live like this, I realized. My life had become more about sitting in front of a computer, getting through the week, weekend brunches, and couple dates than about being part of some intellectual or creative conversation, let alone helping to make the world a better place. And this was something that did feel really important. I know it's idealistic, but I had learned so much about the injustices that happen in our world every day while I was going to school. And I didn't want to look back on my life and feel like I had done nothing to bring good to the world, especially with the time and money that I had already spent on my education. I felt obligated to contribute something. I had achieved my goal of writing for a living, but it had just become lines on a screen for someone else's financial gain. I was uninspired, unchallenged, and disillusioned. So I quit my job. I took a seasonal position at a fishing lodge in Alaska where I suddenly felt that I could breathe again. Packing up my stuff and moving it into a storage unit that spring, I hadn't known whether or not I would return to Portland when the summer was over. But after just one month in Alaska, I knew that I wouldn't. Freedom felt amazing. In the fall, I faced another decision. I had landed another seasonal job in Arizona. I love the desert and really wanted to go back there. And while I wasn't stoked on more hospitality work, a.k.a. serving food and cleaning rooms, I also loved the idea of saving up more money so that I could feel more, quote, prepared for the next step. The idea for this podcast had already begun to form before even leaving for Alaska, and I knew I wanted to work in journalism. And I also kind of knew that I wanted to work for myself and and do my own thing. But there was always an excuse— a deluge of concepts, work, then the isolation of the Alaskan bush. And now this. Someone told me, you'll always have an excuse. It's never going to be comfortable. If this is something that you want to do, you have to just do it. So after coming back to Portland to sift through the storage unit where Adam and I had haphazardly thrown our belongings before leaving for the summer, I said goodbye to as many friends as possible, loaded up my little Toyota Yaris, and headed for home. Pony, Montana.
My plan was to live by myself in my parents' cabin, nestled in the mountains an hour away from the nearest medium-sized town, look for freelance work, and prioritize my creative ideas. I ended up getting an internship with a nearby film company and never could have predicted the projects I was able to be a part of in the coming months. But at the time, this leap felt absolutely insane. There was risk and uncertainty, and although being home after so long felt amazing at first, eventually the familiar isolation of being back in the small town I had run away from as an 18-year-old caused me to question my decision. I don't know. Like, it's just, it's, I don't hate it. This is a phone conversation I had a few weeks ago with my friend Morgan. I don't know. I just, like, I want to be doing, it's even, like, starting this tiny spider media, like, company. I'm like, I want to be doing something that's more, like, hands-on, like, research. Like, I don't want to be the, like, I don't, I don't know. In some ways, I don't know if I want to be, like, living in the U.S. or something. In some ways, I don't know if I want to be, like, self-employed to where I, like, have to worry about this shit. Like, I kind of, I don't know. I do, I do and I don't. It's hard. Like, I do want to be, but, like, it just seems like it's just a lot of stress. Like, it's so stressful. (laughs) It's so stressful. Like, I feel like I'm... When you're here on business, yeah. Well, it's like you have too many jobs. Like, it's like you're working five jobs, but you're always looking for another job. It's just, like... Yeah. Choices are hard, and I am facing a lot of different choices as I try to pursue meaningful work or just any type of meaning. And I want to talk about choices because recently I was talking on the phone with Adam. We have a good friendship and still keep in touch, even though our lives are currently very different. I had already been missing the people and activity of Portland, but as we chatted, I heard him doing dishes in the background. The sound of this mundane task transported me to our cluttered apartment, the smell of rain, and the sense of being surrounded by friends, new people, and new experiences. I kind of broke down for a second because I just felt like I had left a good thing behind and I wasn't completely sure if I had made the right choice and so I asked him what if I didn't make the right decision Adam told me but you did because if you hadn't made that choice things would have continued to be good but they never would have been as great as they could be Life is about choices. We make these choices based on our values, which we use as criterions to determine the best possible outcomes for our futures. And that's why millennials stick out. Because all around me, I see people who are looking for more. People who, when pressed, actually believe that more is out there. With the Millennial Search for Meaning, we'll be bringing you stories about millennials in several forms. A podcast that features interviews and a theme-based audio diary from me. A website that includes photos and articles. And eventually, a film. Yeah, will you still love me tomorrow? 
I'm not sure at all what this exploration will turn up. Some reassurance, maybe new perspectives, hope for the future and for society, or maybe just a collection of thoughts from people who are seeing the world for the first time. I don't think that we're the most special generation to ever walk the planet. But hey, we are the future. So get used to the word millennial, we're taking it back. Thanks to Emmett Orr for our theme music, Shakewell for the happy music, Mitch Foster for additional awesome music and for helping make this sound good. Special thanks to Adam Hogan for introducing me to the world of podcasts and for saying the right thing at the right time. And Morgan Anderson, thanks for everything. You can find us online at millennialsearchformeaning.org and make sure to listen to episodes two and three. Thanks for listening. Thanks for bearing with me and I'll talk to you soon.